As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Power. And this is amazing. It looks like a little extension cord. Yep. You know, that's all it is. And all the computer and it's in that end of it yeah yep. so it's it's all right. a phenomenal little okay piece. Folks, and you can you dial up i didn't know this um I, I didn't know larry had him on for for nine minutes i didn't know and your nbc sports radio update starts now army navy is underway i'm jeff biggs and a big spotlight in philly today for the 119th meeting between army and navy the black knights looking to beat the midshipmen for the third year in a row and right now they have the lead Seven to nothing early in the second quarter. Kelvin Hopkins, an opening drive, 10-yard touchdown run again. Army leading Navy seven to nothing tonight. The 84th Heisman Trophy will be handed out with Oklahoma's Kyler Murray now the betting favorite to win. People doubt me, you know, because I'm small. I mean, or not the tallest guy. I mean, I'm. It's not easy to just come out here on the college level and you know do what I'm doing. So I feel like I'm having a pretty successful year. Meanwhile, Alabama's Tua Tagovailoa hopes to become the first ever quarterback to win it for the Tide. This isn't something that could have been done just by myself. This is a team effort, and we have playmakers, you know. And these guys are the ones making the plays for us as a team. So it's it's a testament to what they they're doing, you know. Not so much myself. Ohio State's Dwayne Haskins is the other finalist. And speaking of finals, it's over for West Virginia quarterback Will Greer. He's going to skip the Mountaineers' bowl game against Syracuse to get ready for the NFL draft. In the NFL, tough news for the start of the fantasy playoffs. Odell Beckham Jr. out for the Giants tomorrow against the Redskins due to a bruised quad. He didn't make the trip. College Hoops, number five, Michigan improved to 10-0 after beating South Carolina 89-78. Number 10, Michigan State defeated Florida at the Swamp 63-59. And number nine, Kentucky lost to Seton Hall in overtime 84-83. Later on, number three, Duke will take on Yale. Want in on a secret? There's still time to get at least 20% off at HolidayInExpress.com during their annual sale. That's right, 20% off. So head to HolidayInExpress.com and book now. Terms apply. I'm Jeff Biggs. This is NBC Sports Radio. KCAA Loma Linda. KCAA Radio is proud to announce that the Tri-City Center in Redlands is our new home. We're fortunate to be located among some of the best businesses in the region. Among our neighbors are Ray Chiropractic, Brace Connection Orthodontist, Pain Solutions Medical Massage, Rent-A-Center, MVP Staffing Agency, Jenny Craig, Salon Centric, and many more. The Tri-City Shopping Center is located just off the I-10 between Alabama and the Tennessee exits in Redlands. The Tri-City Center is the mall with a heart. It's time to say see you later alligator to embarrassing and troublesome issues with your skin, nails, and hair with all-natural Cayman alligator oil. Cayman oil is locally made right in Louisiana, where people have been using alligator oil for centuries to treat all kinds of ailments. A drop a day of Cayman oil can help you say see you later alligator to athlete's foot, nail fungus, acne, eczema, rashes, dry skin, cuts, infections, MRSA, scars, burns, sunburns, and even ingrown hair and dandruff. 
If you or someone you know is tired of suffering with any of these skin, nail, and hair troubles, you need to visit mycayman.com to learn more about 100% natural, non-toxic, hypoallergenic cayman oil and get a bottle today. Say, see you later, alligator, with cayman alligator oil at mycayman.com. That's my, C-A-I-M-O-N dot com, mycayman.com. How many commercials do you hear every day claiming to be the best weight loss program ever? The only problem, you spend a lot of money, you lose the weight, you gain it back. Plus, when all it takes is adding protein to your diet, protein gives you what you need and reduces hunger. NutriPro is pure protein. It's not the newest fad. It's not the latest weight loss program, but it helps to stop those daily cravings safely. There's no magic. It's simply a two-ounce shot of protein taken twice a day, 20 grams of pure, clean protein in every shot with absolutely no carbs, no fat, and no sugar. Feel full faster and keep feeling full longer. It never requires refrigeration, mixing, or dilution. It is simply easy access to protein anytime, anywhere. But it's not available in stores. It's available directly from the manufacturer. Go to MyProteinNow.com and try a 20-count trial pack today. Go to MyProteinNow.com for a special introductory offer, including shipping. Do it right now. MyProteinNow.com. Hi, folks. If you're still paying for electricity every month, it means you haven't signed up for the Inland Empire's number one money savings program offered by Horizon Solar Power. Just call to qualify your home and Horizon will give you $100, plus pay your electric bill until 2020. It's that simple. Call, qualify, get $100, and no electric bill payments until 2020. So keep your money in your pocket and become energy independent today. Call 844-711-6996. That's 844-711-6996. Or click on one of our Stay Cool ads at kcaaradio.com. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us if you want Viagra at the lowest prices. Never pay $15 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 800-357-1583 today to save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 800-357-1583 to take your call now. Call 800-357-1583. That's 800-357-1583. You've heard AM, you've heard FM. Now, tune in to DM Radio, the world's longest-running show about data. Each week, host Eric Cavanaugh interviews the brightest minds in the world of information management. Want to be on a show? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. Now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Folks, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back once again for the second to last episode of 2018 of DM Radio. Yes, indeed. My name is Eric Cavanaugh. I will be your humble and excitable host for the show that is designed, after all, to peel away the marketing veneer. So we get down to brass tacks and figure out what is going on in the field of data management in the world of data. It's a hot topic we'll talk about today, how a data fabric can weave the modern business. You know, it's interesting, from a certain perspective, how we've gotten to our data really hasn't changed in kind of a long time. It's almost a bit amazing how things have not changed The for those who are unfamiliar. When you access data from any application, it's usually via a driver and what's called like an ODBC driver or a JDBC driver. Those drivers were designed, at least in the uh, the offset or outset, by Simba Technologies, which has since been acquired by Magnitude Software. Um, We're talking to those folks about some cool stuff they're doing. But the bottom line is that the the access to data really hasn't changed that much. Now, we did have this whole Hadoop movement, this whole open source movement around big data management, ingest, and processing. So there were certainly some advances made there. But for most business applications, it's still coming through those drivers. 
Well, now you have this concept of a data fabric coming along, which is a much more comprehensive view of the world. And it can take various forms in terms of how it gets actually laid out and, and produced and implemented. But nonetheless, a data fabric, I believe, is going to be the backbone for the future of business applications. Now, what exactly is a data fabric? How can you use it? What do you need to, to do to, to make use of it? We're going to find out today. So with that, we've got four guests lined up here today, an all-star cast, Bill Peterson of MapR. We have Pete Lufser of Parksada, Ravi Shanker of Denodo, and Scott Clinton of Hortonworks. I'll start off with you, Bill Peterson from MapR. Tell us a bit about how you view the data fabric concept. Sure. Thank you for having me. So the concept of a data fabric has emerged to really encapsulate and describe an approach to supporting agile data development to drive applications, specifically analytic and AI applications. And as you kind of alluded to, there, there's a little bit of confusion in the market about approaches and, you know, what's a data fabric, what's not, um, you know, do I buy a data fabric or do I enable a data fabric? How, how does that exactly work? And I think, to me, the simplest take is that a data platform or uh, a analytics platform or, or the stuff that vendors sell that we all on this call sell describe the technology that is used by customers to deploy their data fabric. And that data fabric is specific to their organization and runs across their infrastructure. So it's an enabling function uh, that we're providing via our technology and our technologies and our platforms. And I think it was very interesting that you talked about in the in the open about you know how how data is managed uh, and it hasn't really changed. I kind of see a data fabric answering a number of questions for customers. And I, I kind of I'm a marketer, right? So I like things in threes, but actually this one is four buckets. Um, the, the four buckets that we have to think about around a data fabric is how data is stored, how data is accessed, how data is distributed, and how data is secured. And I think if you kind of think about each one of those buckets and the, the underlying technologies and capabilities for each one of those buckets, then customers, as I mentioned, can go off and create and deploy their data fabric using these technologies. Uh, and by the way, I just want to be really clear because it comes up all the time. I will often have customers or prospects say, well, I don't want a data fabric. I want a data lake or I want a big data management system or I want an ML AI deployment system or what have you. And I think the point there is that if we do, we as vendors do data fabrics correctly and, and do the do the approach to the market correctly, we enable them with our technologies to deploy whatever it is the customer wants to call it. If it's a data fabric, great. If it's a data lake, great. If it's a big data management system, that's fine too. Does that make sense? No, that makes, that makes complete sense. So, I mean, you guys obviously see the vision because you've been kind of focused on this from the outset at MapR and have done some very interesting things with the architecture of your solution. I just wonder, though, at Data Fabric, I think it's going to have to kind of be implemented incrementally over time with the idea being or the long-term vision being this will be the new source of your data, this is the new foundation of your data but it's going to be a hybrid world for so long, right? How do you deal with the complications of that? And do you agree that data fabric is the long-term vision? That's where we want to go, and we'll get there one step at a time, one application at a time. But it is going to be hard to wean ourselves off of all these traditional database technologies, right? Yeah, and I, and I think that's why you know I, I, I kind of introduce it as enabling customers to deploy their insert word, right? Uh, because there, there is a lot to it, right? You, you, you think about those four buckets that I mentioned, um, you know, storage. What, what are we talking about under storage? Well, you know, there, there's a whole whole number of things, including scalability and performance and scale and metadata that you could throw in there. And to your point, well, okay, then I just cross a number of databases. I crossed a number of data warehouses. I crossed a number of applications. Um, on data access, um, multi-tenancy uh, streaming data, you know, that, that's kind of a big one. You know, what do we do with that streaming data? Do we an, do analytics at the edge or do we pull it back into the core? How do I do that? Uh, on how data is distributed, um, replication and location awareness for data uh, within the distribution of data from, to your point on hybrid, uh, from edge to the core, to the cloud or to the multi-cloud. 
And then from a security point of view, you know, how do I create a system of record out of this and protect against data loss? You know, so now, now I've got to incorporate snapshots and mirroring and failover and disaster recovery into this. And oh, by the way, we haven't talked about security or governance within the fabric or within the data fabric yet. So yeah, to your point, there's, there's, there's a lot of moving parts to it. But I think if, if we kind of take the approach that this data fabric is not a point product, and you know we're not mm-hmm. selling or trying to uh, deliver a point product. We're delivering, and that's you know we're all we're we're all platform plays, right? Uh, and that's why you're not going to do this with a point product. Point products might mm-hmm. be part of the fabric, and they have to play nicely um, within that. Or if they can't play nicely, at a minimum, they must have open API support so that they can be part of the data fabric. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that those are two. Two of the kind of key drivers uh, from a okay, how does how does it all come together? One broad API support has to be evident within the data fabric, and then secondarily, broad developer tool support. Um, because mm-hmm. you know, I can't tell you how many times this year I've sat at a prospect uh, and there's developers in the room, and one of them will look at me and say, "Well, I'm I'm an R person," and the guy sitting right next to me will say, "I'm a Python person." Guess what? They're not changing, right? So. You, right. you have to support both and more. You have, you're right. You have to support both and more. Uh, so in order to make this work, broad API, broad developer support to even get going, right? To even get started to your to your initial point. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. And let's kind of talk about those APIs, and because of course, APIs, application program interface, they are the new connectors of systems. I mean, they're cloud connectors, but they go from cloud to cloud or cloud to on-prem or whatever the case may be. Are APIs basically supplanting the old-fashioned drivers like ODBC, JDBC, or are they just kind of going alongside them? I don't, I don't, and nothing goes away, right, <laughs> in this market. Um, <laughs> you know, we, 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 we don't, right? We're, we're all pack rats. We're all digital pack rats. Um, we we kind of hang on to, to everything. Uh, but I think I think in order to get to, right, if we want to say the, the end goal is, Let's allow organizations to create net new analytics and AI applications with the data that's within their data fabric. Then they need to have API support that does things like for NFS, for POSIX, for HDFS, for S3. You know, S3 is the de facto standard in a lot of cases. Uh, for things like JSON, for things like Kafka and SQL for streaming. Uh, I think. I think it has to be that kind of broad level. And then to your point, well, hey, what about some of the legacy uh, access methods to my data? I want that part of my data pla- platform of my data fabric as well. Uh, I think that's, that's all a big, a big part of it uh, to ensure success. Because without that, then you don't have a true vision of, of all the data. And I, I have an example that maybe will help. Uh, and I, I use this example often. I, I'm the CEO of an online retail property. And I come in Monday morning and my CFO says, hey, boss, we lost 10 million bucks this weekend. So I call the team in and, of course, I say, what the hell happened? And (laughs) the team goes off and and does their thing and they come back. If they don't have access to all that data, files, tables, streams, containers, well, containers of files, but uh, you get the idea. If they don't have access to all of that data, data, in a global environment, uh, across core, across edge, across cloud, they really can't answer the question. What they really need to be able to do is say, hey, boss, we know at, as of 2 p.m. on Saturday, everything was good. Something broke after 2 p.m. on Saturday. That's a reasonable answer. We're, we're finding out what, you know, what happened and we'll report back. That's reasonable, but you need access to that data to be able to do it with, under, a, under a, a data fabric. The really cool part, and this is where, to your point, you, you, you need all of these data sources, uh, historical, real-time, operational, to make this work, is that AI, ML, data science, again, too many labels, I don't care what you call it, but what if the system itself raised its hand at 10 a.m. and said, hey, there's going to be a problem at 2 p.m. that's going to take your business down, but don't worry about it, I already took care of it. Hmm. That's where we need that's where we need to get to. And that's when you kinda when I tell that story, that's when the aha moment people go, Oh, you know, from a from a the art of the possible perspective. Hmm. Wow. That's a good example. Well I'll tell you what, let's bring in our next guest. We've got Pete Loopser of Poxada. 
out there. And Paxata, of course, is one of these new, really interesting technologies that is very useful for understanding data and cataloging data and describing data and really organizing data. And I view that category of technology to be so important for making use of a data fabric and also for migrating to a data fabric. So Pete Loops for Paxata, welcome back to DM Radio. Tell us a bit about your take on the data fabric and how we can get there, how we can make this the norm, the de facto standard. Um, thanks a lot, Eric. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I really like um, the, uh, the, the way that, um, that Bill described this. And uh, the one comment that he made that nothing goes away is, uh, is something that I think resonates with a lot of us. Um, and to, to me, one, one of the sort of, if I try to dumb it down for me personally, is what I see within the, the big data fabric as a description is, is the notion that we had in the past that if you're going to build an analytical infrastructure or a data infrastructure and standardize on a single thing, a single technology, it's not going to happen ever. Um, meaning even when we started building data lakes, is, is the notion that there will be one data lake didn't happen. We have multiple data lakes in the environment. And so I think the, the way that I think about it is that there's going to be plenty of data, um, places where it's stored, places where it's going to be stored, be, be processed. And then on the other side, um, what Bill said, and when he described these four buckets, I really subscribe to, to those um, elements that he put in there. The area where, where Paxata focuses heavily on is on the consumption side. And the one thing that I would propose um, as we start thinking about the big data fabric is to be very, very careful. I mean, APIs, developer tools are all great and fine. Um, that only represents about 10% of our possible workforce and data workforce, if you think about this. So um, in the example of that, um, that Bill had, I mean, it is quite often the people that will have to be the first line um, accessing data, that first eyes on the data, need to be business analysts, data analysts that live on the line of business side. And that's, I think, the, 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 the key thing that we need to find a way to enable then is to say, how do we bring a, a consumption layer, a consumption capability to a data fabric that is focused on, on end users, on business users, who has the context of the data, um, it's not to throw away the developers and what they need to do, but we can't exclusively rely on the few. We have to say, how do we employ the masses with, with the context and understanding of the data to do these kinds of things by themselves um, and have the system help them? I mean, is it the systems can be smart. Artificial intelligence can coach you how to, um, to make smarter decisions with the data, how to better join and better clean the data. But I think that, for me, is one of the fundamental um, areas to look for. Is it, what we shouldn't think about is we build out our big data fabrics and, and pretty much all of us here on the call are part of this thing is that we need to play together in customer environments. And the question, the things that we need to do is that let's not repeat the mistakes of the past by trying to build something that is going to be governed, maintained, um, accessed, created, changed by only a select few. Is that our new world needs to empower the masses. I mean, that's going to be critical. Otherwise, we are simply going to fail at our attempts again to leverage this. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And I think this is one of the really cool developments that we see out there in the marketplace is that more and more technologies are embracing this idea of a sort of, I mean, in a way it's an outside-in approach as opposed to the old inside-out approach of working on data quality and data meaning. For example, you used to do data quality by running algorithms right on the data in your database and overwriting mistakes and this kind of thing. But that's very limited. It's very, um, it's very much a, a sort of a one-size-fits-all type approach that uh, that winds up causing a number of different problems. One of which is overwriting good data with bad, for example. But what I love about this data prep movement and leveraging the business users is that first of all, we have the tech to, to do that. I don't think we really had that five years ago or ten years ago. But two, you you get the expertise of the front line people, the folks that are out there in the field working in this part of your business, that's who you want to have input on that data set, right? You want to rely on the people who know what it means, get them to provide some valuable context and suggest corrections where there are mistakes, get them involved in the game, right, Pete? Exactly. I mean, this is in the, the reality is, is, is these guys have the context. They actually understand the data. I mean, from a technical point of view, is that I might be an expert understanding um, the NASA's technology and programming um, that environment. It, or if it's an autobus, maybe I'm an expert on hardware, or something like that. Um, and it doesn't, say, it doesn't say that goes away. It's just, and, and, and like Bill said, nothing will die. Nothing is going to go away. We're going to have to have these guys there. But the business guy has the context. And so 
Um, I mean, it is, if, if the business guy look at a data set that is poorly described, such as it often happens when you get censored data, if it's coming from a from click streams, you don't have all of the traditional metadata that is coming from an SAP ERP-like system. You you have a different kind of an environment, and somebody opens this up and say, oh, that's a customer account number. Yeah, or oh, this is a loyalty number. And that kind of insight that will take five interactions between an IT developer and a business person, business guys should be able to get to the data, eyes on data. That first eyes on data need to happen immediately. Um, and then, obviously, when I mean, you think about things like um, like machine learning and um, algorithmic um, work that we are doing, I think one of the biggest mistakes that we do within the data preparation side is that we kill features in the data too quickly. Um, I mean, if you're really looking for all of the influences in the data, is quickly cleaning, quickly removing, oh, it's not needed, this is not needed, this is not needed. The business guys need to make that decision. It should not be in the hands of an IT person only. Um, but I, I think yeah. the, the critical thing is that it empowers the business, but it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, um, how can I say, it's not a, you on your own and we are on our own. It's not a shadow, shadow IT in the business that occurs. These guys need to be collaborating, co-working on these data preps, um, so that they can share ideas so that you can learn from each other in the process. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. <laughs> As we head to our first break, I'll just throw out a couple of thoughts here. One is, and we can dive into this later in the show, uh, data movement en masse needs to, to slow down. It needs to no longer be the de facto mechanism. And I'm talking about what's called ETL, picking up huge chunks of data, moving them across the network, loading them into a different application. We want to try to keep data where it is, let it sit where it rests, and access it as needed. Well, folks, we'll be right back in just one hot minute. Don't touch that dial. You are listening to DM Radio. Ask yourself, if you built a van for your business, where would you start? At the beginning, of course, with the people who invented the work van over 100 years ago, Mercedes-Benz. You'd give your new Mercedes-Benz Sprinter advanced technology and safety to keep you connected and protected. You'd make it available in diesel and gas, and there would be thousands of configurations and upfits to choose from. You'd build it right here in the USA. Because your one-of-a-kind business deserves nothing less than a van that's built for you. Introducing the all-new Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. The safest, most innovative Sprinter yet. Starting at just 33790 Built for you. The all-new Sprinter. Built in the USA. Mercedes-Benz. Vans. Born to run. MSRP excludes all options, taxes, title, registration, transportation, charge, and dealer prep fee. Options, model availability, and actual dealer price may vary. See dealer for details about costs and terms. Equipment described as optional. 2019 Mercedes-Benz printer available soon. Ask yourself, if you built a van for your business, where would you start? At the beginning, of course. With the people who invented the work van over 100 years ago, Mercedes-Benz. You'd give your new Mercedes-Benz Sprinter advanced technology and safety to keep you connected and protected. You'd make it available in diesel and gas, and there would be thousands of configurations and upfits to choose from. You'd build it right here in the USA, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves nothing less than a van that's built for you. Introducing the all-new Mercedes-Benz Sprinter, the safest, most innovative Sprinter yet, starting at just 33790 Built for you, the all-new Sprinter, built in the USA. Mercedes-Benz, vans, born to run. MSRP excludes all options, taxes, title, registration, transportation, charge, and dealer prep fee. Options, model availability, and actual dealer price may vary. See dealer for details about costs and terms. Equipment described as optional. 2019 Mercedes-Benz printer available soon. One thing I can say about the establishment, they're survivors. The old guard turns its back on the new blood next on Dan's Life. Think you've got a good radio show idea? Gab Radio Network can help you with your podcast or radio show. Find out more by emailing sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. As the postmortem of the 2016 presidential election spins its way into analysis of the 2018 congressional midterm elections, one thing is clear. Americans are finally proving that they are sick and tired of the same old, same old. No more Bushes, no more Clintons. And as we saw last month, we're mustering up the courage to kick out old, entrenched senators and representatives who have been hovering in single-digit approval ratings for years. But 
the fresher-faced Democrats are facing a peril that their counterpart Republican foes found hobbling not too long ago, and they continue to elect the same old incumbents, despite demand. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Folks, welcome back once again to DM Radio. We're trying to understand the nature of a data fabric. And one company that's been working on data virtualization for a long time now, gosh, 15 years maybe, maybe uh, right around there, we can certainly find out from our guest, is Denodo Technologies. That's D-E-N-O-D-O, Denodo. Our last guest was from Paxata. That's P-A-X-A-T-A. And, of course, we had MapR before that. Just MapR.com. But Ravi Shankar has been with Denodo for a while now. And, Ravi, you're a veteran in the field, in the data movement field. How do you guys view the data fabric conversation? Is it so? Do you see yourselves as kind of having already had that vision and kind of mapped it out? Or what do you think about data virtualization a la Denodo versus data fabric? That is right, uh, Eric, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. And, uh, you know, Denodo has been around for 18 years now, and uh, I would like to very much pick up on the uh, notion that you brought up just before the break in terms of the data movement uh, in math needs to slow down, specifically ETL, and we need to leave the data where it is. And that's very much <clears throat> the notion that is actually covered by the data fabric. Uh, in fact, you know, the, the notion of the fabric was introduced, in my opinion, by Forrester. They used to have this uh, information fabric, uh, you know, back in like 2013 or so, which evolved into big data fabric in 2016, comprising of many technologies such as data. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Actualization, data preparation, the data depositories, like, you know, off the speakers and this and this particular call. And the whole notion of this data fabric was to bring together the disparate data across all the different sources. As Pete mentioned, you know, there is not a universal repository for storing the data. We all know the benefits of storing the data in a single place, but that cannot be achieved and has not been uh, possible so far. So <clears throat> based on what you kind of mentioned, we need to leave the data validators and we need to deliver still a unified, trusted view of the data to the business users. And that's where data virtualization actually comes into the picture. Uh, one of the key notions of the data virtualization is it does not replicate the data. It allows for the real-time integration of the data across the multiple different sources. Uh, it could be in any different format, uh, it is structured, unstructured. It could be in any location, cloud, on-premises, and so on. And it brings them all together and provides this unified uh, combined view of the data to the business users. And to me, what is, what is the benefit of that? <clears throat> the primary benefit for me is the data abstraction. You have, you, you, you see technology is constant uh, flux. So people are right now, you know, people who came back from the AWS reInvent this, this week, 
there are like 50,000 plus businesses. They have evolved the technologies. They are you know, migrating a lot of the data. And I was speaking to one of the forester analysts, and he was expecting about 15% of the data being on the cloud. And he said it's probably close to somewhere in the range of 20 to 40% now. And he was pleasantly surprised by that. So we need to be uh, able to allow the IT to be able to uh, modernize their architecture without disrupting the business. So by having a data fabric in between the business users and the underlying data sources, you're basically shielding the business and allowing them to continue while underneath the covers, the IT can actually modernize the infrastructure moving from on-premises to the cloud and also integrating a lot of other data, um, like a lot of the social data or the stream data that comes in and being the volume so huge, it does not make sense anymore to put them all in a single repository. You need to leave them where it is and connect to the data rather than collect the data in a single place. Mm -hmm. No, I think you're exactly right. And it seems to me that data virtualization and the data fabric in a larger context really can prove to be the sort of data layer to this next generation of apps and could facilitate that movement from on-prem into the cloud. I, I happen to believe there's going to be a very, very long tail to on-prem data centers, heavily in the financial space. There's a guy I was talking to the other day from, from a, a consulting firm, and he just joked, he's like, there's no way that CFOs are going to want to put their data up in some multi-tenant cloud. That's just not going to happen. So there's going to be some resistance, but nonetheless, I think a, a data virtualization layer or a data fabric can provide a nice conduit to that that cloud-centric view of the world, right, Ravi? That is correct, Eric. You know, a lot of, you know, there has been the notion that the financial services firm especially have been very sensitive about putting the data on the cloud. But, you know, I, I would like to debunk that using this example. Like, you look at Salesforce.com, right? Many of the companies, come, uh, you know, store all their uh, prospective, uh, you know, sales information in, in there. Uh, if somebody were to look into uh, one of the company's instance in there, they can immediately guess how they are doing in a particular quarter. So there are so many people are trusting, but, you know, how, how has that information gotten out? No, it has not. It has been very secure for many of the companies, given the security that they have put in place. So I think it is important to overcome that fear, and I think many companies, especially in the financial services, are seeing that. And now with the onset of the private uh, virtual cloud, you know, many of the customers are moving in that direction, and that's a big business for Amazon, uh, where they are selling these uh, private uh, in a cloud where the customers are putting a lot of their technologies in there and having it secured. So um, th I think that inhibition is going to change over a period of time. People do see the value. Uh, the ability to scale up and down the resources based on the uh, the, the compute needs. So, um, so and, and I think you know having the fabric comes into play to enable them to have the data wherever they want. So you, that still could be someone who is risk averse about keeping and keep the data in their data centers, and uh, they can still you know some of the other data could be in the cloud. But you need to provide an integrated view of those data, and that's where the data fabric can actually come in with the business users not having to know where the data actually resides, and they just query the data fabric, and the data fabric goes and figures out where the data is and brings it back. Yeah, I think that's definitely the long-term vision here. That's kind of the ideal scenario because, again, you want to abstract away the complexity for the business users, but you do want to get their involvement. You do want to get their their opinions and their ideas and their feedback on the data to the point that Pete was making earlier. And that's probably a good segue to bring in our fourth and final guest of the day. Scott Clifton is dialed in from Hortonworks, another company focused quite intently on enabling this data fabric. So, Scott, welcome to DM Radio. And tell us a bit about your take on the data fabric and, and how it's going to map out to be, I think, the future foundation of data-driven applications. Yeah, thanks, Eric. I think uh, there's a couple of points here I think are important that I think everybody's kind of hit on. I think, uh, as you brought up to begin with, it hasn't changed much. Um, the way that we access data hasn't changed much. Also, the uh, the fact that we're going to have to do this in a collaborative fashion. Uh, technology is going to have to work together, but in fact, 
I think data fabric, as an industry, we've kind of taken a couple shots at data fabric. Uh, in fact, a lot of customers, I think, are in that role of trying to collaborate and cobble together their own data fabrics to achieve those goals we've been talking about, which are obviously get a single view of data that they can drive analytics and drive insight around. Um, but also, you know, we, we took this, this cut at it uh, initially by addressing it with the ideas around data lake. Uh, one way to kind of bring things together. We've addressed it, as Ravi mentioned, around uh, visual uh, virtualization of data. I think one of the key things that has to come out of a, uh, this next evolution in data fabric is consistency. Uh, what we end up with is we do end up with a lot of different disparate pieces of data that we're trying to connect. We're using a variety of different disparate mechanisms to do that. Um, and what we end up with is um, an environment where customers are struggling with uh, having to maintain different types of infrastructure, different types of policies and services in different areas, all to try to cobble together their own portion of a data fabric. So, you know, through the open source collaboration and through, you know, collaboration between companies, I think it becomes critical that we start to work toward more consistency to lighten the load. And that consistency needs to, to cover a broad set of things. You know, when I think about a data fabric, it's got to include the data access, the data discovery, transformation, integration, data prep, all the orchestration of those data services, much what my colleagues have been talking about here today. Um, but it also needs to, as we start to look at today's world, which is increasingly hybrid, cloud-oriented, that mm -hmm. means that the data, as we mentioned earlier, has to be accessed where it is. So where before we were dealing with data silos within the enterprise, we now deal with data silos that bridge to the cloud. And so now our fabric needs to stretch to the cloud and be able to not only uh, provide that access, but start to address some of the issues around common services. We talked about governance and security being a key aspect. Um, today, if you start to look at where the silos of data are being developed, you can start to see things such as uh, you know, the, the, the cloud SaaS applications, data applications, each have their own security and governance policies. Uh, mm -hmm. Each have their own mechanisms for doing that. So the challenge for a lot of customers is how do I start to maintain consistency if I'm concerned about uh, data leakage, if I'm concerned about uh, data governance for, for GDPR reasons, how can I make sure I reduce my overall, uh, my overall uh, OPEX expenditures to maintain all those policies, maintain uh, those security positions and all the new silos of data that are now not only in the enterprise but in the cloud, which I have perhaps even less control over because of the growth of shadow IT applications. So mm -hmm. the fabric needs to stretch with a common set of services that can be deployed and used both on-premise and in the cloud to be able to uh, interact with open APIs to be able to create that common set of shared services. Hmm. It needs to also that's have really the ability good... to have uh, connect. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. No, I'm just saying you're mentioning a really good point, kind of reminding us that, that you need to have this sort of standard set of tools for being able to manage the environment, engage the environment, check on things, all that kind of fun stuff. I mean, all the all the old problems are new again, I guess, in a certain sense of being able to have visibility into what's actually going on down there. I think one of the cool enabling factors of the modern world we have these days is that we do have such, in many cases, remarkable visibility, granular visibility into where there are bottlenecks, where things are going very well, what the hiccups are, all that kind of fun stuff. But nonetheless, it still requires management and monitoring. And this is kind of the, I, I view it almost as probably the next generation in terms of roles for the DBA, the database administrator, right? You're going to have a data fabric administrator who sits on top of these environments and can pay, tinker with things and fix things and figure out better ways to do things. So a lot of that optimization will be done dynamically, but there's going to be a lot of just manual over oversight and management, right? What do you think? Well, yeah, well, I think what you point out there is we already today are getting the insight. And what's happening is the, the action on the other side of that insight to maintain, to implement, 
uh, those types of, uh, of the policies or the, or the insight to convert them into a real action is all a manual process for a large part. Um, mm-hmm. And the fabric needs to be able to offer services that can help standardize and drive implementation of that, propagate those out to the different data sources that are being used, negotiate to make sure that they have uh, the same consistency. Otherwise, you're struggling with uh, maintaining that consistency and not an inexpensive operation. Um, so right. I think that's one aspect that's kind of gotten in the way of sort of evolutions around data fabric today. Um, you also started to deal with the issues around uh, being able to, to move applications or have you have a simple access to data, but today you also have applications living in the cloud, you have applications living on-prems, you've got even applications and services, microservices that are living in multiple places. You need to have the ability as part of a fabric to consider how do I start to manage those applications, those data applications as well. So extending to containerization and the ability to um, move and migrate not just data, but where you where you must, but also the application part of that. Yeah, that's. And I'm glad you brought that up. The different silos. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought in containers, right? Because they are kind of the other half of this new way of doing things. And I think it was you on a webcast maybe last month who described it in a way that I thought was very interesting. But you, you talked about how with containers, and again for our audience, this is a it's a new way to roll out and uh, and manage applications in tiny little containers that have system processes inside of them, basically little simple things that a computer does. It's inside this container that gets managed from an environment like Kubernetes or Docker or whatever the case may be. But what's cool is that you cannot, in the old days, you always bring the data to the application. In this sense, you can actually bring the application to the data, right? That's right. And that's, and that's the, the power that I think this new data fabric and the way that we conceive of it going forward is that it's going beyond just certainly the data access, but also the application components. So um, it's expanding in its in its scope, but that's critical for us to be able to, you know, as uh, I think it was Pete had mentioned earlier, be able to address self-service with the business analysts. We need to be able to put the applications with the data, provide them with the self-service ability for them to even do that based upon their needs, and have that connect back to the data where it may wherever it may lie. Uh, so uh, all, of course, secure, governed, etc. Yeah, and if you do that right, I mean, here's the beautiful thing, right? And we're coming up on another break here, but very quickly, um, Scott, to wrap up, if you do that data fabric right and it becomes the marshalling area, then you can actually do stuff like data governance. Then you can actually optimize the flow of data in your organization. But instead, if you have all these uh, you know, different silent systems, that becomes very, very challenging and, frankly, impossible to do data governance, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's really the, the challenge where 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 the new fabric has to take it take a major role with the shared services to enable that. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said before, we kinda of solved that or tried to solve that several times on premise. Now in today's now highly cloudy world, we need to extend right. that so that we can do it. That's both. exactly right. Uh, yes. That's right, folks. That's right. Okay, we'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. So touch that dial. You are listening to DM Radio. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Do you have a great idea for a radio show but have no idea where to start? 
Or have you been hosting a podcast for a while and want to take it to the next level? If so, you need the Gab Radio Network. To host a show on the Gab Radio Network, all you need is your voice, and we'll handle the rest. From technical engineering to full-service audio production and much more. Every show on the Gab Radio Network can be heard on our station on the TuneIn Radio app. Plus, we put all our shows on our satellite, which is accessed by 5,500 stations. And here's the best part. You can host from anywhere you want. There are many means to connect to the Gab Radio Network remotely, and our staff of highly trained engineers and producers will make you sound like you're right here in studio. So, if you want to be on the Gab Radio Network, the same network that hosts the Small Business Advocate, Radio MD, and Talkin' Pets, send an email right now to sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Marshall, Ph.D. If you've ever had questions about your health, listen to Healthline Live now online at qnlabs.com. Every Monday through Saturday, I'll take your nutrition questions live during show hours and guide you the best I can on your path to great health. The key to great health is nutrition, and unfortunately, our food sources are not even close to what they used to be. Go to qnlabs.com and join me to learn about quantum nutrition. Ask your questions and get real answers. I'll give you the truth so you're empowered to make excellent nutrition and lifestyle choices. Remember, each day's show streams 24 hours until the next show, so you can listen at your convenience from anywhere, anytime. If you miss a show, you can still find it archived on the website. So take advantage of this great opportunity to educate yourself and your family. That's Healthline Live every Monday through Saturday on QNLabs.com. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, back here on DM Radio. Wrap it up, the second to last show of 2018. It's a good topic, too. The data fabric, how a data fabric can weave the modern business. We've got Bill Peterson back from MAPR. You know, we talked a lot about the nuts and bolts here, but what about the business benefit? How do companies, how does the business user, how does the CEO, CDO, whoever on the business side, how do they benefit from a data fabric, in your opinion? Sure. Uh, I think there's a number of areas. I think number one is, you know, reducing TCO by sharing a common data infrastructure across data, across users and uh, workloads and multi-cloud, right? We haven't talked a whole lot about multi-cloud, but if they're sharing common data across their entire infrastructure, including cloud and multi-cloud, there's an opportunity to reduce TCO there. Uh, I think you can... Organizations can use less resources using a unified security and administrative environment under a fabric. Uh, so if you think about it, if it's done right and the data is accessible, it doesn't matter where it is, uh, conceivably you're using less resources to manage that data, to administer the data, uh, to move the data, right? Moving the data. I don't care. You know, we're in what, 2018, still hard to move data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that's an opportunity to, to uh, <clears throat> excuse me, use less resources. Um, and then uh, I, let me throw a couple in on innovation. Uh, you know, I talked about early on on building AI and analytic applications. I think, again, done right, a fabric would allow companies to focus on those new new applications uh, and build out those applications instead of worrying about maintaining applications, legacy applications. And don't get me wrong, they're not going away. We already talked about that. Here I'm more talking about a focus on innovation, right? Where's our innovation going to come from in the company versus, you know, that's an app that keeps the lights on kind of thing. Uh, And then finally, uh, from an innovation point of view, development time and thinking about the developers. Uh, Again, data fabric done right allows developers access to all this data to develop new applications. And here I'm talking about uh, streaming data, operational data, relation, um, um, real-time data, uh, and legacy data while maintaining security controls. And so things like multi-tenancy and, and things like a distributed uh, 
replication model allow developers to have access to that data, therefore potentially reducing development time. And if you go back to the first one I mentioned under innovation, allowing them to focus on even more new applications. And then uh, somebody mentioned containers earlier. You know, if you even roll that piece into let's make these really kind of quick container-based applications, and if we make them easy and they're reducing development time and they're reducing TCO all within the data fabric, you know, hey, we, we, we might be onto something there. Yeah, I think that's a really, those are really, really good points that you made. I mean, again, it's, it's the desired end state is where we want to get to. I think it's going to take a while to get there, but it's, it's good to have division and then also focus on the small incremental steps that get you there, right? So that, that's a good point. And Pete Loopster, I'd like to bring you back in from Paxata. In addition to business benefit, one key benefit is just the collaboration side of things, getting people to actually work together, to talk together, to engage at the same time on a particular data point and, uh, and explain what, what's out there. It's, uh, I think it's a greatly underappreciated aspect of success is effective communication and collaboration, right, Pete? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, I think the, the, the fact that we can collaborate within these environments between, um, as I said, I mean, business might have the context of the data of the business issues. Um, maybe there are technical developers that have um, the knowledge about data access and the mechanisms and the structures of the data itself. Um, and then you bring your data scientists and the people with the statistical and mathematical backgrounds. I mean, if you bring those three together, now data is the truth, a team sport. And I think that you need to you need to be able to establish that. And if you can bring that together in a platform approach across your fabric, then then you really can can drive an agility that is um, is driving huge innovation for the business. I think the the one thing though that it's going to require is a mindset change. It's not. I mean, it's not about taking our traditional technologies and just simply applying it differently. I think we really need to embrace um, what we can do with these technologies. We need to have business people that are saying, well, what else could I ask of my data? Not the, well, it's not available, therefore I'm not going to ask it. We need to set and dream. We need to imagine. We need to reimagine how we are thinking about analytics in our environment because that's when we are going to come up with a new way of thinking and we're going to build a new instrumentation of a product, of a customer interaction, um, and then the data start working for the good. So I, I agree with I think the collaboration within the platform, but to really make it work, I think that we need to switch our mindset. We, we can't go in the sort of traditional command and control fashion that we've done in the past. Empowering mm. the business and really making them work, making them active is going to be critical. Yeah, that's a really good point. You got me thinking there as I'm looking at the EdCal for next year and wondering how we can we're going to show specifically on that because it's like life and business is not a zero-sum game, right? I think that's one way to look at it. And when you get people collaborating, genuinely working together to solve some business challenge, you come up with creative net new solutions that did not exist before. And so it's not you know, just a question of efficiency, of making sure this process works as efficiently as it was designed, for example, there are really compelling new ways of doing things these days, and most of them are going to be data-driven. So I'll bring Ravi Shankar back in to kind of comment on that. This, this collaboration side is so important, and we've talked about it for a long time, and you know, we kind of paid lip service in many respects, I think, the IT business divide, as it's now called. But the data itself holds all of those component parts together, right? The data will bind the business person and the IT person and the developer and the customer and the partner and everybody. The data is in the center of all that. And so I think if you have this cohesive strategy around your data fabric, as we can call it now, you're going to be facilitating success in so many different ways. You won't even be able to predict all the positive ways that's going to affect your business. But Ravi, what do you think? I, I concur with that. I think uh, the, the fabric becomes, in a way, you talked about in the data being the glue across all of these different functions, IT business and so on, bringing them together and aligning them on a single uh, requirement for them to function. Uh, and I think the fabric provides the necessary infrastructure uh, for providing that or enabling that for these different groups to collaborate. And the, the way to collaborate is like, Nowadays, if you look at it, the businesses that are succeeding and they are that are failing, the ones that are 
being more innovative, the ones that are moving much more faster is, are the ones that are succeeding. No longer we have a pension for, you know, waiting for the data to be made available like days or weeks later. Uh, look at us using the mobile like we are checking on instant messaging almost on a real-time basis. And for the businesses to be more efficient, they are looking for the data to be delivered as quickly as possible. And the question is, uh, you know, how am I going to use this information? The business users are asking, how am I going to use this information to compete better, faster against my competition? Uh, and, you know, how you as the IT would probably deliver that to me in a much more real-time fashion. And I think the fabric basically provides uh, that um, that common uh, ability for these for these two different functions to uh, come together and uh, and work together. One of the notions I want to bring to, uh, bring about, maybe we did not think about it in here, is like where is this fabric going to exist on premises mm-hmm. on the cloud, right? So one of the things that we are actually seeing is the the notion of multi-location architecture. So given that there are substantial uh, information assets on-premises beginning to transition to the cloud, I see customers you know, locating their data fabrics. There's not a single data fabric. There could be a couple of data fabrics, one on-premises stitching together the data of all the information assets on-premises. There's another one on the cloud that is bringing together the data across all the cloud and the multi-cloud uh, across AWS, Azure, and so on. And then these two data fabric kind of, you know, act as a master slave, and then they provide the uniform data to the business user, so that way they do not know where exactly the data comes from. So I think these are some important things to think about, and uh, as you mentioned, I think um, the data fabric and the data itself is a good clue to bringing together different business functions and aligning them to uh, compete better uh, for uh, against the competition. Yeah, right. We've got just about a minute left. I'll bring um, Scott Clinton back in from Hortonworks. Yeah, there is some really cool work being done now across organizations through various institutes, the Linux Foundation, for example, the Cloud Native Computing Foundation, and Hortonworks is actively involved in that. Can you just very quickly uh, give our audience a, sort of a teaser on how all that stuff shapes out and why we have such wonderful collaboration these days and why that's important to get this kind of data fabric thing to be a reality? Can you tell us a bit about that? Just one minute. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think that I could, in adding to kind of what Ravi was saying around this whole multi-cloud architecture, the reality is that when we start looking at things in the cloud and we start looking at things on-premise, these are fundamentally different architectures. And as they're fundamentally different architectures, we need to focus on how do we grip, how does the fabric create some consistency across these architectures. So we talked about policies before, but it's also about architectures. So that's also where we at Hortonworks, it's important to have that cloud-native architecture on-premise. It needs to be part of a data fabric. It can't just be an architecture in cloud. It can't be a different architecture on-premise. It has to evolve to a common architecture. So through that, we've uh, stepped up. We've joined the the CNCF, the Kubernetes effort, to really bridge the two communities between big data and Hadoop communities with the new cloud architecture. Uh, like All right, folks, we're going to pick that and we'll pick up on the next show. We'll pick up on the next show, babe. But thank you so much, everyone, for your time. We'll talk to you next time for listening to DM Radio. I'm so tired of the buffering on my smartphone. I'm so over it. Next right? I am so over it. Next. A radio? Next. No buffering, just your favorite local radio station? Next Radio uses the FM tuner that is already built into your phone, so you can listen to your favorite stations on the go. Because Next Radio uses the FM tuner already built into your smartphone, it saves on data and battery usage. When compared to streaming audio, Next Radio uses less than a tenth of your data, and your battery will last three times longer. Next Radio. It's FM radio on your smartphone. Introducing a radio inside your cell phone. Listen to all kinds of local radio stations, including KCAA 106.5 Ukaipa and 102.3 Riverside on Next Radio. Download the free Next Radio app today. 100% free, 100% fun, 0% buffering. Stop the buffer and listen to KCAA.
KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.